This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale. Andy Bailey is not going to be joining us today. Apparently he just hates talking about the Phoenix Suns because that's the topic of conversation today. Uh, it's, it's hard to, to pinpoint where exactly this Phoenix Suns team wants to go because they, it seemed like they've been stuck in mediocrity for the last couple seasons. They were expected to rebuild a few years back and and surprised everybody, but last season they failed to take that next step forward. And looking at this roster, for me at least, it's hard to see them changing that this year, even with the addition of Tyson Chandler, even with Brandon Knight there for a full season. I'm just I'm not seeing enough different to really push them even into true playoff contention in the Western Conference. No, the changes they made definitely haven't helped them make skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. This sudden leap. And the other thing is they're not really waiting on anybody else on the roster to make the leap where it's like, hey, we're going to be a really good team because so-and-so is going to be really good this year. You have TJ Warren, but they're still trying to figure out where he actually fits in terms of which position he's going to play. But you have Tyson Chandler, who should be okay for your defense. He's a good rim protector at his age. He's not great. Your offense is basically going to be the same as it was last year. It just looks like it was a very lateral offseason where they won 39 games last year. And if everything breaks right, hey, maybe they win 42 this year. But that's not going to be good enough to get them in the playoffs out west. Yeah, I mean, maybe you mentioned TJ Warren, and I want to come back to him in a bit. They've also got Archie Goodwin, Devin Booker, and Alex Len. 
beyond that, it's it's hard to really find players who are capable of, of rising too much higher. You, you might be able to make an argument for Brandon Knight. I think Eric Bledsoe already got there last season. But with only those guys as, as your upside players on the roster, that's not enough to really compete in the West. And even if it is enough to get into the playoffs, let's say that everyone experiences some simultaneous breakouts, however unlikely that may be, you're just going to be the eight seed and you're going to get destroyed in the first round. So I don't, I don't see the plan here. No, it, it seems like they want to build around that backcourt, which I'm fine with. They spent you know, a total of $140 million on Knight and Bledsoe over the last two summers, and I totally get that. But when we're even talking about a guy like Alex Len making the leap, how is that going to happen over the next four years with Tyson Chandler eating up so many minutes at center? I know Chandler's injured a lot, but you know, Len needs to play. He's not going to get 30 minutes a night. He's probably not even going to get 25. And then you're looking at a guy like Devin Booker. Where are his minutes going to come from with Bledsoe and Night there. This team is very much caught between rebuilding and trying to be competitive, and that's always a scary place to be, but it's especially scary in the Western Conference where to be a legitimate contender, you have to eye that 50-win mark at least, and they're nowhere near that, and unless they really think that them getting in on that LaMarcus, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge sweepstakes last summer, which was impressive and perhaps put them on the map, but unless that results in them being able to go after other free agents in the coming summers... This isn't a team you can look at saying, hey, we're going to rebuild from within because now they're going to be stuck with these bottom four lottery picks as time goes on. And they got rid of that big Lakers pick in order to get Knight. It's, it's very confusing. Ultimately, down the line, this is a team that's going to have to make a decision one way or the other. And I, I do see them as a candidate in the next two years to probably blow things up uh, a lot. But right now, it just looks like the same exact team from last year. Like, hey, they're going to struggle to reach 40 wins, and it'll be surprising even if they do reach 40 wins. The other big concern that I have here is, is just that in addition to being stuck in between rebuilding and competing, they have a, a front office that hasn't exactly given us a lot of confidence in them just because they haven't shown an ability to relate with all their players. I mean, last year it was the Goran Dragic situation where he was supposed to be the franchise player here and was relegated to playing off the ball. And while he was great in that role, that wasn't what he was initially promised and they brought in other point guards, which made him feel like his job wasn't secure. And we had the messy situation right before the trade deadline where it got so bad that he didn't just want out. He gave a list of teams that he would sign an extension with, which just completely screws them over. And then we have the situation with the Morris Twins, where, yeah, they had some off-court trouble, but they, they signed that joint contract where they even got to pick their own salaries between the two of them then you ship off one of them without really asking the other one. And granted, it's business, and that's part of the NBA. But they haven't shown the ability to treat their players as well as they should be or as well as they expect to be treated, which makes it surprising to me that they even landed a free agent like Tyson Chandler in the first place. Yeah, that's a good point. And you can even really throw Eric Bledsoe under that umbrella because think about how long it took them to sign him last summer. And all they basically did was give him what he wanted. Why hold off that long and make such a spectacle out of it? Then you could throw Isaiah Thomas under that umbrella as well. You sign this guy and then you trade him six months later. Like, there's definitely just something there. And I think part of it is they're hoping Tyson Chandler is going to come in and steady the locker room. But it never really seemed like the problem was on the floor. I know there have been some complaints about Jeff Hornacek. We read that Markeith Morris didn't really like him too much. 
But everything seems to be up in the front office where communication needs to be a bit better or there needs to be more of a simultaneous vision between what Hornacek is trying to do and what the front office is going to be promising these guys. And the Marquis Morris situation is especially problem because he comes into training camp doing a complete 180 saying, hey, I want to be here. Do we really believe that's no, how he feels right now? No, not at all. Not at all. So you're, you're going into the season with this presumably unhappy guy. Is he going to play hard for you? You expect him to because players typically play for their teammates and not ownership. But this is going to be a storyline, especially if the Suns aren't a good team. You're going to be like, hey, Markeith Mar- Morris is unhappy. Or if he starts to play well, maybe he'll start to think he has leverage. It's like, hey, now I should try and force well, beyond, a trade. Beyond that, I don't think it can be overstated how important he is to this team. You look at the depth chart at power forward. And if he's not playing, they're looking at Mirza Toledovic and John Luer, or maybe playing P.J. Tucker or T.J. Warren really out of position. That's, yeah, that's a problem. I could definitely see T.J. Warren at the four, but Marquise Morris has never been more important to this team. And they have him on this bargain contract. He's going to make like less than $35 million over the next four years. And that's huge in this and new cap And he's really good. He's, he's very good. He still needs to make that leap. He has to become a better shooter, especially in this offense. But he's a really underrated passer. And that's huge because Phoenix's ball movement with all those point guards actually wasn't great last year because I think everyone was so interested in getting theirs. Hopefully it'll be a little bit better because it seems like Brandon Knight is willing to play more shooting guard than Goran Dragic was. But you need Markeith Morris there, especially because you're not going to get a lot of offense from Tyson Chandler outside pick and rolls. And, and he's also that guy who can create for himself. But again, if the Suns aren't as good as planned or as good as the Suns themselves hope, that Markeith Morris storyline is going to be recycled to no end again. Oh, yeah. And that's another problem for this team is you don't want to have these distractions. And my question with all this is, what's this team's identity? Are we just going to assume it's fast and offense, a fast-paced offense? Apparently. I, it's really hard to tell right now. I think ultimately their identity is we're going to let Eric Bledsoe make everything okay. happen right now. I'm not entirely angry about that because I love Eric Bledsoe. Is he a top 20 player in the league right now? Absolutely. I think he is. I think he's Here's, one of the more underrated guys out there. His his public recognition hasn't really caught up with the production yet. Yeah, and, and here's what's interesting. So last season, and I actually looked up this stat uh, the other day, which is why I have it at the ready, four players went for 17.5 points, five rebounds, six assists, and 1.5 steals per 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. James Harden, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and Eric Bledsoe. That's it doesn't not, surprise me. That's just not a coincidence. He does a lot of things. He's had such a weird career trajectory, too. Remember when he was with the Los Angeles Clippers and he was drawing those mini LeBron comparisons? It was like, he's the next big thing. Then he gets traded to Phoenix and he actually starts becoming the next big thing or a current big thing, if you will. And all of a sudden, the recognition is no longer there. It's like he went from overrated to underrated and now I have no idea what he is. Uh, yeah, I guess Phoenix is the place where like expectations go to die or exposure or something. And it's interesting because... While he was in Los Angeles and wasn't really playing much at all, especially behind Chris Paul, everyone pointed to those per 36-minute splits or those per 100-possession splits, and they're like, well, how's he going to do in more playing time? They've really held steady, and he, he is that two-way point guard. He's a little bit undersized, but he's still a good defender. You don't see a lot of undersized point guards who are also good defenders, and they do have a legitimate building block in him, but again... 
him alone, he's not an all-star in the West probably because of how saturated that guard market is. I'm going to disagree. I think he can make it. He's by no means a lock, but I think he can get there. It's just so tough. It is. But I, I wouldn't be shocked because he, he definitely is that good. But he seems to be, if you're looking at a long-term piece, knowing like, I want this guy and I'm going to build around him, he's the only one on the Suns roster you could say that about. Brandon Knight is still a question mark of sort, really been the top guy or one of the top guys for a great offense. And that's definitely concerning. Tyson Chandler is old. You don't know what you have in Alex Lynn. Markeith Morris is a mystery now. There are just so many other questions, but he seems to be the one certain, hey, this is our star, and maybe that's what the Suns are saying. Hey, we have that superstar. We're just going to hope we hit on some of these mediocre or these big-time question marks, and maybe that will fall into place. This is kind of off-topic, but it still really frustrates me that Vinny Del Negro was entirely unwilling to play Eric Bledsoe and Chris Paul together. I'm actually such a dynamic combination there, and just his refusal to experiment with that two-point guard lineup kind of led to uh, that, that trade that they were forced into making. Right. I, I agree with you there. I do wonder how Chris Paul would have taken to really playing along him extensively. He seemed to really like him. I remember he said, we're not going to be able to afford to keep him. Uh, what do you say, my friend? I don't understand what in the world Doc Rivers was thinking when he made that trade. Yeah. That was one of the worst trades ever. Like, one of the worst trades ever. What did the Clippers end up with for that? Nothing notable. They actually they got Jared Dudley in that trade, and they had to give a first-round pick to the Bucks to take him. Yeah. So it's, it was just awful. Look at what he's become. He was good enough for a $70 million contract a year later, and you got peanuts for him, and that might even be an insult to the peanuts. Yeah, it was inexplicable. But back to this current roster, I'm really curious how you feel about TJ Warren because he's such a polarizing player. He can get into the paint almost at will. He has great touch around the basket. He has great touch from these mid-range zones that have fallen out of favor, but he's not athletic. He doesn't have any range on his shot, so he's not exactly a modern player, and I'm not sure that that's the greatest fit on this, that's this quick Phoenix team. But it's hard, to, it's hard to deny that he has this one elite skill that's usually what you want from an NBA role player. Yeah, it's tough because at 6'8", he probably should be a power forward at this point just because you look at his game, but... Uh, you don't know if he can be. Can he defend opposing force? He lit up the summer league, and that was crazy. I almost I wonder, his- though, if he's just one of those guys who's doomed to light up the summer league and dominate in preseason, and as soon as it's an actual NBA game, he's just going to fade into the background. I, I mean, it's definitely possible. I think it helps that he's on a team that can afford to give some minutes at this point. And he is really good at working off the ball in terms of finding teams in the defense and cutting through, which is great. But you, in this day and age, you need to have that shot. And it doesn't help that he has sort of an okay mid-range game. You need to be able to shoot threes, especially if you're going to play the small forward position. So that, that's just not negotiable. Maybe you can stick him at power forward, but he doesn't have much of a post game either. He's just a guy that wants to work off the dribble. So his offensive skill set also almost pigeonholes him to that three spot, but if he doesn't come up with a consistent jumper or an ability to hit those catch and shoot opportunities off the passes from Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe, he might be that guy in the summer league where, hey, when he's a featured option, he'll perform, but he can't be that compliment guy. I wouldn't mind seeing him start over P.J. Tucker, though, just because Tucker's such a known commodity, and while he's probably the more valuable player to them in the present, I don't think that he has as much of a future with this team. It's definitely worth consideration, again, especially because of how well he did play in the Summer League. 
But you also have to look at it from the Suns' perspective. They're going into this season trying to get a playoff spot. You've heard Bledsoe saying they want a high playoff spot, not just seven or eight. That they want fourth or higher. You're probably obligated to say that at this point when everything is all dandelions and roses. But if that's the market in this locker room, how do you justify playing someone who has less than 650 minutes of real NBA experience over a guy like Tucker who has proven that he can defend pretty well, he can knock down some shots, he's going to help you more immediately, and Warren might be the guy you plug in the starting lineup or give more minutes as the season goes on and you realize your expectations were too ambitious. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a pretty simple answer. You just realize quickly that your expectations were stupid because they are. I mean, this, it's is, almost like this is not a playoff team, right? No, it's, it's not. It's not a playoff team. And I think we were willing to give them more leeway last year because they were coming up a 40-win season, a 48-win season, excuse me. But this year, it's like, hey, if you're 20 games in and this clearly isn't working, like, what do you do? And I guess that's the big question because we know they're not a playoff team, even though they think they are. Is this something you let right out, or do you actually make wholesale changes to this roster midseason? I don't know. I don't know what wholesale changes you can make, though. You just acquired Knight. You just signed Bledsoe to a big contract, and he's rightfully the centerpiece. You're not going to get much value for Tyson Chandler on this new contract. And beyond that, what pieces do you really have to move? I mean, maybe Markeith Morris, maybe some of the young guys, but you don't. it's not like you have great draft picks to give away. It's really hard to see this team being anything but stuck in mediocrity for a little while. Yeah, unless you really want to break up that backcourt and try and get draft You shouldn't, picks for though. I don't think you should. I mean, they're young enough to where they could be part of a rebuild, but the Suns aren't going to be able to rebuild in mediocrity. And I guess that's the thing is they're going to need to go one way or the other. The biggest problem will end up being Tyson Chandler's deal. You know what the solution to all of this could have been, though? If LeBron James had signed with them. Because that happened while they had, while they had Drogic and Bledsoe there. So you could have had the two of them, LeBron, and they still had room for Chris Bosh. Like that, the, all the money was able to work. I wrote a long piece about this during that that summer when LeBron was trying to make his decision, and I was so frustrated that it never got any consideration, just because it made so much sense. And if LeBron actually wanted to have the most competitive team possible, then that would have been where he went. Maybe. I mean, he wound up sitting pretty in Cleveland. I would think you went there and got Kevin Love, and Kyrie was already there. I think so just, I think that Phoenix team would have been better. Really? I do, absolutely. I think I, it was I'm a pro- perfect fit for him. I probably disagree with you there, but that sort of lends itself to the point. It didn't gain any traction because Phoenix, again, even though you were no able to get someone to go like... there! Exactly. You got Tyson Chandler, but he's at the end of his career. You were probably offering at least $10 million more million than anyone else was offering. I find it very hard to believe any other team was prepared to give him four years and $40 million, let alone four and yeah. fifty-two. Yeah. And you seem to get it on the LaMarcus Aldridge sweepstakes, but I really do wonder how much of that was was legitimate. Because it, it looked was, like it, it was, was because not, they, it was not legitimate. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that it was legitimate based on the fact that he gave Los Angeles a second meeting. That and also, so the Spurs were just there. I think we all along we were all just saying, yeah. if he doesn't go to the Spurs, yeah. that's just the upset of free agency this decade. But the Suns seemed to believe it, or they were really... Yeah, but the Suns also believe they're a playoff team. That's fair, too. It's, well, it's odd that they, they dumped salary to Detroit. Think about how much could have been avoided if you trade Marcus Morris. Him and Marquise were probably pretty happy. You also have a, a semi-promising wing in Marcus Morris, who's also on that sort of bargain bin 
deal, but they really seem to believe that they're better and more relevant than they are, which is kind of odd for a team that doesn't really have any business thinking that this side of the Mike D'Antoni era. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's kind of a shame because they're a, they, they've been such a fun organization in the past, and it's almost seemed like they've just been cursed. You know, the injuries, the, the suspension to Amari Stoudemire during that one run, it's like, it's like they couldn't, uh, they, they could never get over the hump, and it always seemed like there was some external factor working against them. And now it's apparently an internal factor at the front office. So the question here might be, and it's probably twofold, what needs to happen for them to make the playoffs? And if your answer is nothing, as it might be, you're shaking your head already, what would you want in a vacuum? Forget about assets. What does this team need then? to make the leap that I think they've already made? That's a tough question. Um, I love I don't, putting you on the spot. I know, I know. I don't think that anything they can do is going to get them into the playoffs, barring another season like last one where we see Kevin Durant go down and maybe even where we see like a Steph Curry go down. Um, if, Please do not even... I don't, yeah, Steph let's Curry. knock on some wood here. But, I mean, if... Yeah, if, if the Western Conference is just riddled by injuries, then I can see them potentially sneaking in and that's really the only way but to get there I mean we've said it we've said it during this this show already I don't know how they make changes with this roster there aren't movable assets there there isn't the ability to get a top draft pick so I just I I think I want to see them play the young guys as much as possible maybe maybe go super small and and run with Knight Bledsoe Devin Booker TJ Warren and Tyson Chandler and just see what you have there because I like Booker's game a lot. I think he's a great fit with this team, except that they have the two-point guards already occupying the backcourt spots. So if he can play small forward, that's a huge boost because they need some they need some internal boost that we don't see coming. And outside of that, it's really difficult to see them making any one move that's going to boost them up to where we think where where they think they are already. I agree with everything you just said. I would probably give them a shot at just making a playoffs in the field as it is now, if their defense is way better than expected. That, to me, is what needs to really happen for them. But here's my thing, is that we're sort of assuming, or I think the assumption all along has been that their offense is going to be good. It really wasn't great last season. They no. finished 16th. In off of their, their defense was right there at 17th as well. So you need to make leaps on both ends of the floor. And I looked this up the other day, and... While the sample size is the caveat, Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe weren't that great together. In the 11 games that they played Part together, of that was Knight playing injured, though. That's fair. But you also, I guess my point is you need to make the leap on offense as well as defense. I'm talking myself out of playoff contention as we speak. I'm trying to look on the bright no, it's, side. It's funny for me because we're, we're naturally going to segue into this anyway, but when I look at their win total that I think that they could have, it's right around 39 or 40. And as we've said in previous episodes, I think that there's a legitimate chance that you need 50 wins to get into the playoffs in the Western Conference this year, and I can't see that happening for this team. There's not that kind of upside here. So to me, they're the clear-cut ninth team in the Western Conference, which I guess technically means that they could move into playoff contention. I'm not willing to throw like the Mavericks into that conversation, but there's such a huge chasm between them and the teams that we expect to get in, because those eight seem pretty clear-cut. Yeah, I, you have to throw the Thunder and the Jazz, the two lottery teams from last year, into the playoff fold at the expense of Portland and the Mavericks. And I agree with you with the Suns sitting around 39 or 40. 
And that, that also brings up the topic, though, is you don't want to throw the Mavericks into that conversation, but couldn't you see the Mavericks as a team that is also going to flirt with that similar win total? And when you're going to say that about a Sun team... And the Suns Mavericks have is, more upside. Right, which is pretty bad. But if you're going to say that about a Suns team that actively spent to try and get better, looking at, conversely to Mavericks team that really didn't. You went after Math- Matthews, but you lost DeAndre Jordan. You're markedly worse now than you were last year. It's it just doesn't look good, and I'm not even talking about just this season. I know this is a 2015-2016 preview, but the Suns don't look like they're set up for anything special in the next two to four years. It's almost like that, that 2013-14 season where they we expected them to finish right at the bottom of the Western Conference, maybe compete for the number one seed. It's, it's almost like when that happened, because that was right after they traded Marcin Gortat to the Wizards and they were just bottoming out, and then they completely exceeded the expectations and hung around in that playoff chase until the end of the year when Drogic just couldn't keep single-handedly carrying them. That almost doomed them because that team needed to get the top pick. That false that sense roster. of hope. Yeah. yeah. And so just by, by playing so high above where they should have been that one year, it not only changed their mentality to being, this is a team that, comp- comp- that can compete right now even though they really can't, but it also prevented them from getting the assets that they needed to actually reach that level. In the interest of fairness to them there, though, 48 wins in that conference was legit, and you did it with Eric Bledsoe. That was a like fun team. Year. That, that, was that was probably my favorite team in the league to watch. I, I, yeah, and I, total, I totally understand them going for it last year, and they sort of recognized that they weren't going to get it, so they blew things up. I, I'm not sure if I love that Brandon Knight trade still, just because that Lakers pick could end up being just who they need, that transcendent young player to build around. Their biggest folly was not recognizing it this offseason and doing what they could. Tyson Chandler shouldn't be in Phoenix right now. You shouldn't have been selling off parts for nothing just for a chance to land someone like LaMarcus Aldridge. That's their biggest mistake, and that's what's really going to bite them in, in the bud for the next two to four years again. You, you asked what could put this team over the top, Ben Simmons. Isn't that the answer? I mean, he would be the perfect fit for this roster, and... Maybe the Lakers weren't going to end up with that number one pick and have to convey it to the Suns, but the mere chance of that happening looks awfully Well, the other bad. thing is, and if you're bad this year, just if you were bad this year and you still have that Lakers pick, you know, you're sort of, your odds are so good then you could have two top five picks or something like that, and that could be huge. And this draft class should be stocked with wing players at the top, too. Uh, and again, they're probably going to end up with, just because the East is still pretty bad, they're probably going to end up with like the 12th pick yep. or something like that. And you're not going to, most likely, you're not going to find that guy. I would not be at all surprised if they had the 14th pick in this draft. Well, I guess this might go without saying at this point. So what is your, I want one number, win total, 2015-16 Suns. Go. 40. 40. They're slightly better than they were last year. Uh, just because they're not going to have to deal with that three-headed monster at point guard and the ensuing chemistry issues, and a healthy Brandon Knight should help take them a little bit higher than they were last year. But this team doesn't have depth. It doesn't have that much upside. I'm going to go with 42. I don't normally try and agree with you because I dislike you a lot. But Wait, you're going hard. with 42 or 40 also? I'm going to go to 40 also. Okay. I really want to put this team at 500 just because there are some things that I really like. That lineup you named before has to happen, and it should happen extensively. But you just look at the West, and you just look at where they need to improve. They weren't especially good on either end of the floor last year, and that's a big red flag. If they get to 500 or above 500, I would actually be pretty surprised. 
Like, if you were telling me actually to bet 40 is the over-under... What I'm is the over-under for this team? Do we know? I think... Oh, offhand? Yeah. Uh, it's got to be right around 40, right? I would think. Um, trying to look it up right now. Say something interesting to keep people entertained. Do we think that the Suns should um, trade 30, Eric? 36.5. That's a pretty – that's actually – that's a tough one. What would you pick then? Over I think under. I'd pick the over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under. I'm going to be contrary. If I had a pick, I think they're going to get more, but if, if that's the number we're using, 37 wins is you difficult. You just can't stand and, to agree with me twice in quick succession. Yeah, I mean, that was like a whole <laughs> 60 seconds you're asking me to agree with you. Yeah. Well, I think one thing we can agree on is that the Suns are not going to make the playoffs. That's pretty much been made clear. And now that that has been made clear, it is time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! It will be Adam who is bringing the burnt bacon in pounds today. So take it away, Mr. Frommel. I know this is hard to believe because we normally spend these segments focusing on baseball and football, and it's largely because the NBA isn't exactly in season right now, but we have a basketball-related burning bacon. And it's the people who look at what's happening during the preseason and immediately dismiss it. Because, yes, the preseason doesn't matter as much as the regular season. That's obvious. There are, there are teams playing against teams that aren't even in the NBA. There are teams playing these guys who are fringe roster candidates. But... There is a lot that you can actually take away from basketball happening this time of year and apply it to the regular season because not every breakout that happens during the preseason is fluky. Not every team that's playing well or poorly during the preseason is going to fail to maintain that pace during the regular season. This time of year does actually matter so long as you look at it through a lens that allows you to realize what is legitimate and what's not. And that can be done. It should be done. The preseason shouldn't just be dismissed wholeheartedly because it's, well, the preseason. That seems like a mic drop, Burns Bacon. I like it. I can go with that. Um, Well, that will do it for us on Sun's preview if you want to talk to us more about the suns or about how awesome and telltale preseason can be you can get at us on twitter andrew bailey who's not here today is at andrew d bailey adam is at adam frommel or just frommel 09 f-r-o-m-a-l 09 i don't know that one by heart so just again for the people adam is at frommel 09 f-r-o-m-a-l 09 I myself am at Danfa Valley, D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E, and you can talk to us all on the Hardwood Knox Twitter, which is just at Hardwood Knox. It is spelled like it sounds. And that will do it for us. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you all shortly. Shout out Benio Ud- Bino Udry. Can't even say it. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
$30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Hey guys, Clay Thompson here. By now you probably know that I like to read the newspaper. I just like that old school feel. But when I'm traveling or too busy to grab a paper, I like to go digital. It doesn't matter how you read the news, it just matters that you read it. That's how I stay informed. Read the paper or go digital. It's up to you. Be like Clay. Subscribe today and get local coverage of everything that matters. Read the paper. Subscribe to digital or print by going to clayoffer.com. It's news delivered your way. Brought to you by the Mercury News, East Bay Times, and Marin Independent Journal.